0: So my daughter came up to me with a book she was reading for homework for school. The name of the book was My Brother Sam is Dead. Creative. She said, Dada, read this. It says, Sam got shot and he's dead. I said, tell you, look at the title. Of course it says that in the book. She says, no, Dada, it's the last sentence in the whole book. I said, get out of here. Give me that book. I looked at it. The book ended. My brother Sam got shot and he's dead. I said, that's a horrible ending. I understand how he's trying to go with the theme of the book. Some people who don't believe that Jesus is and was the Son of God don't believe that he was the Savior who came to die for the sins of the world. That's how they think Jesus' story ended. He might have given us some good ethical teachings, right? Maybe helped the poor and did some good things. But when he took his last breath, that was it for Jesus. But for those of us who know by God's good grace, for those who saw the risen Lord, and saw him risen from the dead, teaching the gospel and ascending to heaven, we know that was not the end of the story. That Christ is risen, and Christ is alive, and Christ is coming back again. Amen? We live with a different reality, because the grave could not hold our Savior. Some people look at the grave, and they look at that empty tomb. Some people think it was a conspiracy. They think it was a robbery. Some look at that empty tomb and they see a risen Lord. I pray that we as a church today, as those who love and follow Jesus, I pray that we see a risen Lord because sometimes we see situations wrong. I shared this story with you last year. <clears throat> I was leading a uh, Bible study over at the Kelly House. It's a sober home that does great work over here in Wakefield. And <clears throat> there's probably 10 to 12 guys there. And I had an iPhone 4. So I'm always about two numbers and three letters behind every phone. You know, I wait way too long. (coughs) Excuse me. But I was so excited about my iPhone 4, right? To me, it was, I got a new phone. I put my phone down before the Bible study, and I taught that Bible study. When I finished the Bible study, I got up, and I was getting ready to leave. It was kind of commotion because I was talking to everyone, (coughs) and I realized my phone was not in my pocket. I went back to where I was sitting. I didn't see my phone. Guess what I did? They're stealing from the pastor. <laughs> I said, I come over here, reading this Bible saying, dudes are taking off my iPhone 4. Not even the phone, the contacts. Just texting people back, who is this, thank you for being kind. That's tough to live through. I started making all these assumptions in my heart and my mind. I started pinpointing people, that dude might have been a guy. Stole my phone. I saw the situation absolutely wrong because I began to look. And I think it was Dave, if I'm remembering rightly. He went over. What happened, there's a pool table there. And I put my phone on the pool table. And someone covered the pool table. Dave walked over, pulled the cover back, and said, your phone's right there. The truth was unveiled to me. (laughs) Know what began to happen? Joey, you dirt dog. You dirt dog. You just judged everybody in here. You sinner. You need grace. Amen. Amen. I saw it all wrong. I saw a robbery. I didn't see that my phone was there, alive. For many of us were seeing the situation wrong. And I pray today that your eyes are unveiled to the truth that Jesus rose from the dead that day. That it wasn't a robbery. That the Son of God the one who always has been, always will be, the one the whole earth was created through, that he came down to earth fully God and fully man, lived that life, died that death, and the grave did not hold him. He rose again for you and for me. That completed the work. The cross wasn't enough. He had to rise again to complete that finished work of the gospel. Amen? So let's read that scripture today. John 20, 1 through 10. It says now on the first day of the week Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb <laughs> so she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple the one whom Jesus loved and said to them they have taken the lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him so peter went out with the other disciple and they were going towards the tomb both of them were running together But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping down to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there and the face of the cloth, cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and he believed. For as yet, he did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. The first question we're going to ask is, why were they at the tomb that day? I mean, Jesus died on Friday, right? Why were the disciples even there at the tomb? They were bringing spices. So what happened is Jesus died on Friday. The Hebrew people followed the, the strict commandment of the Sabbath. So say Jesus died sometime in the afternoon, right? By the time Joseph of Arimathea asked for the body and got Jesus, they would only have so much daylight to prepare the body of Jesus. And the Hebrew people took burial very seriously. They would wrap the body in linen. They would prepare the body with spices to fight back on the odor of death. They would use myrrh and aloe. So they would prepare this body. It was a very holy thing. But Joseph would have been in a rush because they would have had to follow the Sabbath. So what was happening with the disciples that day were they were coming to finally prepare the body of Jesus. If you could say properly or finally, because they didn't have the time to. It was a way to say goodbye and to honor those who had passed away. It was not only Mary Magdalene. If you look in Luke, you see that it was the other Mary and also I think it was Joanne. Joanne and two Marys were there, you see, in Luke. So they're there to show their love. They're there to prepare the body. They came with myrrh and aloe to properly say goodbye to Jesus and to prepare his body. That's why they're there that day. They come. No one was expecting Jesus to rise from the dead. The Scriptures tell us that right then. Do you guys understand? For all the people that think it was conspiracy, these people were coming to prepare the body of Jesus to say goodbye permanently. When they get to the grave, they see that Jesus is not in the grave anymore. Now, I want to talk about the tomb a little bit. I want to give us the context because a lot of times we think (coughs) the Bible is fairy tales, right? It's some sort of myth that everyone believes, like a fairy in sky kind of gospel. The truth is, this historically happened. Jesus really came and died for our sins This was a real tomb with real people who gave their life up for a real king. Okay? So I want you guys to understand the context. Because you think think that 2,000 years is a long time? It's not really a long time. That's 20 generations. 2,000 years is not a long time ago. What does everyone say at the end of their life? That went by so quick. It's only 20 generations. Real people, breathing real air, walk into a real tomb, looked into that empty tomb, And did not see Jesus. It was a wealthy man's tomb. I want you to understand this. Joseph of Arimathea was a follower of Jesus. He was part of the Sanhedrin, which was the ruling council of the Hebrews. And what happened was, that gave him direct access to Pontius Pilate. He goes to Pontius Pilate and says, give me the body of Jesus. Do you know that Pontius Pilate broke the law that day? you're not allowed to give the body of an executed criminal to the people who are following him because they're afraid it will start a revolution. And they were right. But Pontius Pilate, most likely because he thought Jesus was innocent, probably because of his conscience, he gave the body to Joseph of Arimathea. This was a brand new tomb just for Jesus big stone, hewn out with a kind of tab where you would lay the body that had been prepared in a very holy manner. You would have laid Jesus' body there. Do you know that Pontius Pilate set guards there? The Romans had guards there. And we won't get to touch on it too much today, but as the angels appear, those guards, they can't stop the resurrection, right? That tomb, that, that uh, stone was rolled away. So all the preparations were made so there could not be a robbery. Now, I want to talk very logically to you right now, which is very spiritually, very spiritual. They come to this tomb, <clears throat> rich man's tomb. It's empty. Mary Magdalene looks at the tomb. What's her reaction? <clears throat> There's been a robbery. Someone stole Jesus' body. She takes off. She runs to Peter and John. <clears throat> now, Peter was seen as kind of the leader Of the disciples. So she goes to Peter. And when John says the other guy, he's always talking about himself. When he says the one Jesus loved, he's talking about himself. John is the author right here. And he's such a dude because what does he put in there? The other guy outran Peter. Only a dude puts in he ran a foot race in the middle of the tomb, right? Grace, grace. The other guy outran him. What John was trying to say, John was trying to say he loved Jesus so much That he was outrunning, outrunning Peter. Of course, Peter loved Jesus. But John is saying he outran him. They heard there was a robbery. John gets to this tomb. Now, once again, the scriptures tell us they were not expecting a resurrection for all the conspiracy theorists out there. They weren't expecting, they didn't fully understand the scriptures. When Jesus said, I'll destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. They didn't fully understand he was talking about his own body. They didn't understand fully. It was revealed as they began to see things. So they're going there, ready to find some criminals, ready to solve whatever was going on because an abomination had happened in their minds. Someone had stole the body of their rabbi, their teacher. When John gets there, he looks in that tomb, and what he doesn't see is a scene of a robbery. He sees the scene of a resurrection. You know why? Once again, I'm going to talk logically, but it's spiritual, and I'll get to the the point here. Has anyone ever been robbed? I got my house broken into about four or five years ago. Guess what you don't come home to? Folded clothes. Someone stole my handy. brother's eating my handy snacks, stealing stuff from my house, threw it on my bed. You don't come home and uh, stuff's ironed and folded and left. It's not a neat scene. The door in my basement was thrown off. Everything was everywhere. Drawers were open. It was a chaotic scene. John looks. This is not a chaotic scene when he looks in that empty tomb. The linens were taken off individually. And Jesus must be neat because he folded his face cloth. It was not a chaotic scene. Jesus expected to rise from the grave. Do you guys hear me? This wasn't a surprise. Like, just woke up, whoa, I'm alive. It was preordained before the foundation of the world that the Son of God would come, die for the sins of the world, and rise again, defeating Satan, sin, and death. This was not a surprise. Jesus was very calm. I picture that tomb scene very laid back. Just getting up, folding stuff. Let's do this. He saw an orderly scene because it was preordained and planned before time that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, our Savior, would rise from the grave. Do you guys see me? So John looks at this, and what does he see? He sees that empty tomb. He doesn't see a robbery. He sees a resurrection, and he says, he believed. Now, why did they ultimately believe in the resurrection? Because at that moment, they look and they see. They ultimately believe in the resurrection. It's pretty plain, and it's pretty simple. Because Jesus showed up to them. Jesus showed up on the scene, fully risen, pierced side, wounded hands, said, peace be with you, I'm risen from the grave. That's why they ultimately believe. These were not unbalanced people who needed a conspiracy and something to believe in. These were the devout Jewish people who saw the risen Lord and it changed their lives forever. Let's just, I want to show this to you guys. I'm just going to read John Chapter 20, 19 through 23, you can read along if you like. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if we withhold forgiveness from any, it's we- withheld. Do you guys see? They see the risen Lord and their life is changed forever. Now you want to use one example. One example that's in this text. Peter was an absolute coward you guys understand me? He was a fisherman. They didn't go down to the seminary to find Peter. Went down to the docks. And he finds Peter. He calls Peter. Now, Peter is overconfident. Peter is overaggressive. Peter has a prideful evaluation of himself. When Jesus said, you'll deny me, he said, no, I won't. You don't know Pete. Wrong evaluation, Peter. Because when it became the time... They said, are you a follower of Jesus? Don't you know him? I don't know him. Let's try that again. Are you a follower of Jesus? Do you know him? No. Let's give it three times. Your courage has got to be on the third time. I do not have anything to do, and I'm paraphrasing, with Jesus. Mr. Strongman ain't so strong now. He isn't strong now. He's a coward. That when he's confronted, With what could be suffering, he wants nothing to do with Jesus in front of people. What happened to Jesus after he saw the resurrected Lord? Rock. When the resurrected Jesus takes over your life, you are changed forever. He's getting ready to be killed, right? To be killed for what he believed and what he proclaimed and what he stood for, that Jesus was the Son of God, the Christ. They're going to crucify him like Jesus. He looks at that cross, and he says, you can't crucify me like Jesus. I'm not worth that. Turn that cross upside down and pin me up there. See the courage there? See the change of heart when he's seen the resurrected Lord? Now, if it was a conspiracy, let me tell you one thing. You look at that cross. You're about to be killed. Listen, I was going through some things. We made up some stuff. It was really a robbery. Can you let me go? I just need some attention, some drama in my life. If you're about to be killed, that's when you give the whole story, right? If that grave was robbed, if Jesus had not risen, they were bailing out. But every one of those disciples who saw the risen Lord said, my life is nothing in this world. Because you take my breath here and I'm with Jesus. Do you guys hear me? You don't do that if it's a robbery. You do that when it's a resurrection. And that's the kind of change that happened. This was not a robbery. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Now, what does that mean? Why is it so important that we believe in the resurrection of the dead? Because when you say that you believe in the resurrection, you're making a grand statement. You're saying that you believe that Jesus is God. Does everyone know why Jesus was murdered? He wasn't crucified because he gave the poor people guys realize, that guy's so nice, we've got to pin him up. No. He was crucified because he said he was God. See, people miss, miss that. All the people, I believe is a good teacher, a powerful prophet, good philosophy. No. You can't do that with Jesus. The gospel doesn't allow it. Either you reject who he was or you believe who he said he was. And when you believe in the resurrection, you're saying, I believe that Jesus is God. Everything he spoke is true. That's why it's so important, because salvation is only found in the name of Jesus. Salvation only comes through the work of Christ. Salvation is finished through the cross and resurrection of Jesus. Do you guys realize how important that is? When you're saying, I believe that Jesus rose from the grave, you're saying, I believe he is who he says he is. I believe he's God. Son of God. Secondly, when you say you believe in the resurrection, you're saying you believe that our sins are really forgiven. In Romans, it teaches us that he rose for our justification, meaning the cross is magnificent, but it goes perfectly with the resurrection. Do you guys hear me? The cross just in itself was not enough. He defeated death by rising again, He took on the sins of the world on that cross. This is very important. I I want to use another person from the text, Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene had a tumultuous past, to say the least. Scriptures tell us about her that she had seven evil spirits cast out of her. Jesus told her that her sins were forgiven. She came from a rough place, Magdala. It doesn't say she was officially a prostitute. But They just thought everyone that came from Magdala was a prostitute because there was so much prostitution going on there. There was such a margin between the rich and the poor that many women did prostitution just to survive. So many people said Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. We don't know that for certain, but we do know that she was a follower of Jesus and that Jesus cast evil spirits out of her and that Jesus told her that her sins were forgiven. If Jesus is still in that grave... You'll see if you read further on in the text, she's weeping outside that tomb. She's weeping because she thinks Jesus is not only dead, but his body has been stolen. I'm sure possibly what's going through her mind and everyone who thought Jesus was dead was, was er everything he taught true? Was it true? Was it true that my sins are forgiven? Because not only is he dead, But his body is stolen, and she weeps. And at the tomb, it is said to her, Why are you weeping? Jesus is alive. It's the wrong reaction. We should be weeping, and we should be miserable, and we should be depressed if Jesus didn't rise from the grave because our sins aren't forgiven. But because Jesus rose from the grave, we rejoice. They're like, What are you talking about? He's alive. This is a celebration. Now I can tell you about the parable of Talia and the tick. You're going to get this one every Easter, too, for the next 40 years. i only got so many stories. My daughter, Kira, anywhere she goes, somehow a tick jumps on her. She could be anywhere, and somehow she gets a tick on her. It was a Saturday morning, a little over a year ago. Natalie sees that Kira has a tick on her eyelid. Natalie went crazy. <laughs> she allows me to tell this story in love. Ah, she's screaming. I come running out. Oh, what's going on? There's a tick on her eye. I'm thinking eyeball. You know what I mean? I'm like, on an eyeball. She's like, is a ticket? Then I see it's on the island, so I'm like, all right, we're okay. We can get this off. But Natalie is freaking out. We love each other. 12 years married in a week. She's freaking out, though. I'm like, Natalie, we get this. Talia sees the scene, right? Her response to the tick and the crying out was to go lay on the kitchen floor, face down, and just yell out, she's going to die! She's going to die! So I got this scene where Natalie's freaking out, and Talia's just off 10 feet away, lying on the floor, and she's going to die. I'm trying to calm down the scene. Finally, Natalie settles down enough to get the tick off her eye. Talia's still responding like the tick is on her eye. I go over to Talia and I say, Talia, you're responding the totally wrong way here, kid. Your sister is alive. She's fine. There's nothing wrong with her. But in her mind, it was over. When we live in the condemnation of our sins, we are living like Jesus died in that grave. But when we receive the forgiveness that is only in Christ... We are living in the power of the resurrection. Do you guys hear me? It's so true. It's so true. It's so real. He's so alive. And finally, this is great news for me. We're all going to take our last breath one day. It doesn't matter how much you don't think about it. It doesn't matter how much we live as if there's no death. We will take our last breath. Those we love will take their last breath. But the good news for all those who believe in the resurrection is, there's no sting for those who are in Christ. No sting. Actually, that's when life really begins. Do you guys hear me? This has nothing on heaven. This life, this suffering, this crying, this weeping, this pain, this taking up your cross. When you take your last, you're really taking your first. For those who believe in the resurrection. I went to really. It was really a memorial service a few weeks for a brother who passed, who had his faith in Jesus. And what was really amazing to me—it didn't taste like death. Do you know what I'm saying? I went in there. I didn't go in there and feel like death had overcome all of us. I didn't feel like death won. I felt like Jesus won, and the resurrection won. It was a celebration. His brothers in the faith, he was around 70 years old. I'm not trying to scan you, close to that age. His brothers in the faith, they got up and you know what they kept saying? He beat me. He beat me to Jesus. <laughs> and I was thinking, wow, what a mentality, what a truth. And we sang worship songs he loved and people who had disciples were talking about him and his family were talking about him. But they weren't talking about him like death had overcome. They were talking about him because he was with Jesus and he was alive. And I remember I left there tasting life, not death. And that's the gift God gives us through the resurrection, that you don't have to fear death. Paul didn't fear it. He was torn. He said, I'm torn because I can stay here and help build the church. But man, I'd love to go and see Jesus. I'd love to be with my Savior. So I want each and every one of you who has put your faith in Christ and in the resurrection to know that truth, that death has no sting for you, that Christ has brought life through the gospel. Amen. Let's worship Jesus today. Let's sing our hearts out. When we take communion, let's remember his body that was broken and his blood that was shed. Even when we give, Let's remember the good work of the gospel today and remember that he is alive. Let's pray.